0: Hey everyone, just a quick disclaimer here. Today's episode was recorded before the coronavirus testing results of Nikola Jokic, of the two Suns players. Um, All of that stuff will be addressed in the next podcast. In today's podcast, we just talked about the idea of players who are sitting out, electing out of Orlando we, we name them, but then we go into just what are the, the general archetypes of players. Will the free agents, the upcoming free agents that is, elect to sit out of Orlando because they don't want to risk losing money? Will long-term players who are already financially secured elect to sit out of Orlando? Just the ramifications of all of that. Then we get into, of course, the, the social justice aspect of it and what potentially could happen there with players uh, we have a we have an amazing discussion, Tim and I, about the about just the the place of the place of social justice in sports, the movement, what potentially the NBA can do, what we expect the NBA to do in that situation. Um, then we get into then we get into just who will benefit and who will be hurt by the layoffs. This is something I talked about in the last podcast with Nikki Duse, but I wanted to come back with my guy Tim. Because you know he he's the numbers guy. You know he's the guy who can really uh, who can really crunch things down and, and break it out and and think about it in a in a very analytical way. So we look at it there, and then we get into some just some weird, fun, kinky ways to make this basketball viewing experience fun for the casual viewers. You know, you you and I are going to watch this these games, but um some of some of you more so casual fans are maybe not too sure you know you'll tune in at first but will you will you fade away as the season goes on or will you stay intense stay in tune with it so we kind of talk about some some crazy scenarios we can do with uh with the arena with the sound effects and just how to make an empty arena entertaining so that was a fun discussion there uh some quick promo before the before the podcast starts, if you do not, please follow me on the social medias at Real Chris C-H-R-E-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. If you don't know how to spell real, don't follow. The podcast is always uploaded through... All of your your platforms, that's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. so check it out there. But um, I will always be posting links on my Instagram and my Twitter, so those are the best ways to stay up to date with that. I'm working on some hip-hop stuff that I will not reveal yet, however, you will be able to find those on my instagram and my twitter when the time comes for that so without further ado everyone let's get to today's episode with my guy the founder of basketball index tim aka cranges mcbasketball let's go Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I am your host, Chris Platy, and returning is my man, my guy, Tim, a.k.a. Cranjus McBasketball. You know him from being the founder of the Basketball Index website that I plug so often here on the podcast, and also doing some NCAA international team and NBA agent consulting. So, Tim, first off, man, before we get into basketball and all that, we haven't, re- we've talked a little bit um, during during the pandemic and during just the last couple months, but uh, how are you doing? How are you holding up? How's everything everything going on your side?
1: I'd say that, I mean, for me personally, things have gone about as well as you can hope to expect, I guess. I mean, working remote, thankfully, have a job, basketball's not uh, everything for me. Um, although it's a, a big part of my life and I've realized yeah. how big sports have become and how I can, I don't know, a world without sports in a weird way can be, you know, calming. And I get so much more work done. And uh, (laughs) it it has, I'll say, given us a chance at B-Ball Index to really work more on research and development. Um, So there's a lot of new stuff we've been rolling out and we'll continue to roll out. But I don't know, just with sports returning or not returning, just trying to keep everything in perspective and understand that there are Bigger things at play when it comes to people's health and social justice. Um, so I don't know. I've, I've been much more of uh, an observer, trying to figure out how I can do my part um, in terms of keeping you know me, and my family safe, and and help uh, you know make positive change in the world through whatever platform I have and, and the site, and then just you know doing things personally. So getting through it, taking it day by day. Um, very fortunate to be in a situation where I'm not. Worried about losing my job or anything like that. Um, and, you know, skeptically optimistic, while at the same time, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about the NBA right. returning, but if it's back, we'll watch it and we'll cover it. Um, and, and I certainly have thoughts of, of when it does come back, what, you know, what I think might happen. And uh, there's been so much that's happened since there have been games before. So I think we're going to get into it a, a bit today. Who you know is benefiting from these things who's hurt by it either you know coronavirus or uh, social justice stuff or injuries or all th- all kinds of different things so there's a lot of that's changed and uh it'll certainly be interesting when it does come back
0: yeah man well, you answered that absolutely beautifully because you know these are very heavy times these are very trying times um but you know you're 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 keeping the right attitude you're keeping the right uh, head about it you know just trying to just trying to do exactly what you said, use your platform in any way possible while also doing some personal stuff that stuff that I've talked about on the podcast and here on my platform is just about ways to ways to kind of get involved with everything going on and and how to help while also while also just um doing some stuff that's personal that you can take on a very personal level that you don't have to be you know someone with a platform to to help make a difference in the in these times and so i think that i think that it's really good to hear you just in in the right headspace and approaching it the right way and the cool thing i have seen you i have seen a lot of the work you've done and i love i love the whole badges thing that you've been doing because the 2k badge system has driven me crazy for years so i love that you've done that research project that's been fun to to peep at when i when i can and um yeah, man, you said it beautifully too with sports just being out, you know, putting a lot into perspective both in what you can get done and just what uh what really what really matters in the world. But here we are, man, basketball is back and uh and man, it's 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 a good feeling. I know it's a it's a mixed feeling, but it is a good feeling to have basketball.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly brings a little bit more normalcy, which from a virus standpoint can be calming mm-hmm. from a you know taking attention away from other things in more than one for more than one perspective could be hurtful um yeah i don't know if you can hear in the background the, the like sky is falling from a raining perspective <laughs> and i'm hearing ambulances all over the place um so i, I don't know <laughs> i mean i, I could use yeah. i've watched so i've rewatched so many basketball games and baseball games football games hockey games soccer games um I, I, when it does come back, it, it's going to feel really good. And I know from a Laker fan perspective, uh, it's been so long since we've been to the playoffs, which is such a weird thing. And yeah. of all my sports teams, the longest playoff drought has been the Lakers, which is just crazy to me because of the Lakers. Yeah. Um. So so there's thinking about that and knowing that it will be back, I mean, at this point, can't really change it or I can't certainly can't change it part of me is definitely getting amped up for it. And that hunger is there for, for meaningful playoff basketball that my team is involved in, not just, you know, I'm going to watch this cause it's entertaining.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> as a piston fan, let me tell you, I understand fully about playoff droughts. <laughs> so trust me, trust me when I tell you it can get much worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now let's start with this. So there's a lot of players opting out for a lot of different reasons. Um, we won't speak on the specific players. Um I'm just going to mention who they are so everyone that hasn't been keeping up with the NBA can uh can get a little update on it. But uh, but basically we're gonna be looking at what are the archetypes going forward and what can we what can we project for just you know how many it's sort of a volume of how many players we expect to come back to Orlando in this twenty-two game uh regular season slash playoffs. Uh, so right now we have David, Davis Bertans out John Wall out Kyrie out Mal, um, not Malcolm Progdon sorry Bogdan Bodanovich, uh Kelly Oubre and Trevor Ariza now all for varying uh, all for very different circumstances some due to injury some due to personal choice over the social injustice that's going on in the world Some over, um, some over again very personal family business and some Uh, and some also just looking out for themselves and also just rehabbing their injuries and taking care of their body also Kevin Durant has made it clear too I did not state him as well Kevin Durant is another player who is who has confirmed that no matter when the season would come back if it if it even came back because that was before the season came back that he would he would be out so looking at this going forward again I don't want to talk about you know what's the impact of Kyrie not being on the nets for the rest of the season when he was already looked to have season ending injury I'm not really too particularly concerned with looking at what Kelly Oubre to the uh to the Phoenix Suns does I'm more so looking at you know just the grand scheme of things like how many players do you think we're going to get opting out and what is the potential archetype or prototype for those that will that will choose to sit out will be people that are free agents upcoming free agents that is will it be people that are on long-term deals so they they know they have the flexibility uh where does your head go when you when you start to think of all the players that are opting out and are you does this bring concern about the nba coming back
1: yeah, for me, I think I try to think about what are the different, like you said, what are the different archetypes of guys? So we have the players who, like like uh, it's Bojan Bogdanovich the Utah one, him, yep. LaMarcus Aldridge, like they're just injured and they're gone. I, we shouldn't expect to see too many random season ending injuries pop up in the next couple of weeks before games even return. So I think that pool of guys is, we've seen what we're going to see in terms of, I mean, like the the Brooklyn guys were, you know, there was hope, and I mean, at least from like my perspective, that oh man, if if Katie and Kyrie can come back, that could make the East even more interesting. But yeah. uh, at this point, and same with John Wall, like at this point, the guys who have been injured and maybe could come back, we we kind of know what's happening with them. I don't think there are any big dominoes to fall there, so that really leaves us with uh, players who either it's in their best interest just to not risk it. And in in those cases, I would I'm sorry. In those cases, I would look to some of the more fringe teams like Washington. That can make sense for someone like Breton's. Um, maybe him personally. The team they don't have a. Whole, they're not going to make a run, so I can understand that situation. Um, if somebody like I don't know, I'm trying to think of the other teams that are, are would be fighting for spots. But if you're looking at, maybe I mean, like Portland or New Orleans or Sacramento, maybe a and Fox who's mm-hmm up for a contract if they start to lose games and I think right now their their playoff chances are more slim like they're they're fighting from behind I believe yeah. Yeah, I haven't looked are. at the standings in a bit I so know, if they it's like, been lose so their hard. first couple games maybe they just sh- maybe he says you know what I'm done you know at this point there's a 1% chance we make it it's not worth the potential injury risk mm-hmm. so someone like that can make sense but if you think of I don't know uh, I'm trying to think of the other guys who could be up for big contracts like like Kyle Kuzma is not going to shut it down um yeah. who, who else is like Tatum up for one I think yeah uh,
0: he is but I wouldn't he's gonna play
1: him. yeah like I, I would from that perspective I'm not maybe Fox it would be the guy to keep an eye on um so I think that's kind of that group of guys I think Bertans makes sense because um, he's in a good position to cash in this offseason but I don't see too many other guys from a I don't want to get injured for free free agency standpoint. I don't think there are going to be too many more dominoes to fall there. And then I think the last big group would be guys who don't wish to play from a social justice standpoint. And from my perspective with the information I have, it's hard to estimate the volume or for the guys who do make that decision, how impactful they will be to their teams or, to to the product as a whole so it's hard to give a input there um Mm -hmm. it makes it even more difficult when a lot of the reporting is from uh you know disney employees at espn right Uh, so i i don't i I wouldn't even know where to guess for something like that
0: yeah yeah the social justice aspect is something that i think will that that's going to be a a very unified player movement I think I don't think it's going to be a a massive divide I think it's either going to be a minority or a majority I don't think it's going to be uh I I don't think it's going to be a very small uh, or I'm sorry a very like medium-sized group of of players I think what there's going to be is there's going to be you know a, a a small group of players that will commit to it and maybe as the weeks build up into the season if there is momentum towards it then ultimately ultimately then i could see bigger player um bigger players not just name-wise but also just numbers um stepping out and deciding to opt out of the Orlando of the Orlando basketball return so as far as that goes i think that that's something that that we will have to see in the coming weeks um, I, I do just trust that the NBA is going to be very unified in its decision among the players. The players have have seemed to have in, in the past, and especially when it comes to social issues, they have been extremely unified. So I I have faith I have faith there that the players are going to make the decision that they feel is best, and that it's going to be a very unified front, which is which is to me the most important the most important part of, of this. So taking that out of the equation um and just looking at like you said the free agent class is not that good so i don't expect many um uh, i don't really expect many players to um i don't expect many players to sit out like you said bertans was a, was a good example of somebody who's already set himself up well to cash out and being in a situation where washington is fighting for a playoff spot it's not exactly um they have they have such a slim chance at the playoffs that it doesn't really particularly, um, it's a, it's a huge, ri- it's a huge risk for a slightly higher reward. And I don't think that that, that there even is a higher reward when it comes to him. I think his value has been, has been proven. Um, other guys like Andre Drummond, who's a big free agent this summer, he's on Cleveland, who's not even involved in this. So when it comes down to it, there's not a lot of, um, free agent dominoes this year. This has been a weaker class and I do think that the um, that the uncertainty of the cap going forward is going to affect a lot of that as well. I think that will uh, I think that will impact some players. Now I don't know if that's going to be motivation for them to opt out out of fear or to or to play and maximize their window because of a fear that that the cap is going to go down and players are going. There's going to be less money out there, so it could work both ways. I'm not sure which way that's going to incentivize the players um, to, to, to move. And then lastly, the other point that you brought up from, um, from injuries is, yeah, I don't expect to hear too many, um, uh, too many more in season ending injuries happening during this, uh, during this time where we're building up and players are just quarantining and they are training, they are getting their bodies ready, which, you know, can sometimes result in injury, but very min minuscule. So I think that when it comes down to it, it won't be, it it won't be a big cluster of players unless all of a sudden, all of a sudden there is that push towards social injustice, like I mentioned. And I do think that a lot of the teams at the top, um, you're going to see a very unified decision because those players uh, from those teams, like the LA teams, the Milwaukee, Toronto, you're gonna see a very unified front on them because they all understand that their their opportunity to win a title. And, you know, whether that, uh, so I I expect very much unified fronts there among those teams. Uh, But like you said, if anything, I think we could see the opt-out affecting more of the teams that are on the outside, the Sacramentos, the Phoenix, the
1: Washington, etc. Yeah, just plugging in, looking at some of the upcoming free agents, it's a lot of guys that, I mean, the, the, the guys I was finding are maybe like, for Sacramento, Kent Bazemore, Bogdan Bogdanovich, or Orlando DJ Augustine, or for Brooklyn Joe Harris, Mm -hmm. like not huge names um, on major teams that are going to make deep playoff runs. But these are guys on some of those more fringe teams that know that, hey, if I do sit out, it's probably not going to, you know, be catastrophic, catastrophic for my team. Whereas like for Mm -hmm. the Lakers, if Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley were to both sit out, I think that would change their playoff title odds in in a real substantial way. Um, So those sorts of things. And and for those two guys, it would be more the social justice route. And from that perspective, I think there may be players who make that decision because as opposed to the, you know, I'm in it for me, I want to make sure I can cash in this offseason. I think Mm -hmm. from a social justice standpoint, it's easy to get in the, the state of mind and say, you know what? You know this is bigger than basketball altogether. Me or my team, so I, I can. I think there is a higher chance of guys from for those reasons sitting out on title-contending teams versus the I am going to sit out because I am a free agent this off season. I think right the guys in that second camp. The only way they'd probably do that is if they are on one of these fringe teams, and and I would hope that um, I don't know. I when it comes to Players making uniform decisions, I I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, I mean, just thinking about the different dissenting opinions we hear from different players over the past couple of weeks from the social justice standpoint, it was a lot playing out on social media or publicly, whereas you would hope ideally that the players would be having big calls with everybody. And getting those dissenting opinions heard, and trying to find common ground, and making a decision that would make the most sense for everyone. Or, I, I guess I'm starting to see your point where it may be more of a team by team decision. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it, through talking this out aloud and, and listening to what you just had to say, I can. That's not something I had considered as much before, but now it would would make more sense if it's a team by team decision. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. And then the other thing to keep in mind is as this goes along, this bubble isn't really a bubble. Um, and We will have people who are non-players, non-team staff going in and out. And we may end up with situations where, you know, three players on a team have coronavirus and uh, all of a sudden you've got huge chunks of people that need to be sitting out or not playing mm-hmm. I, like, oh, what happens to the Lakers if Anthony Davis and you know Alex Caruso are, you need to be quarantined for two days? Um, yeah. So that's another thing to just a, a, several different wild cards between mm-hmm. now and games returning. And then once games do return, it's just a very fragile situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It definitely will be a fragile situation. Um, and I think that I think that when it does come down to the um, to the coronavirus part of it, I think that that's a situation that um more so is during the season rather than the leading up to. I think they're going to be very cautious about the quarantine and leading up to it, uh leading up to the start of this season and then from there that's when it will it will really be a fragile thing if if uh, that's when I believe family members and stuff are allowed to travel back and forth and, and all that. So I think that that's when when things could get dicey. But at the end of the day I wanna just end this part of it by stating and, and I believe you you're with me on this, Tim, and that at the end of the day, I wanna stress that the decisions that are made during these times by each player, I don't I don't wanna see anybody trying to hold those players um in a negative light for their decision, whatever it is, whether it's playing, whether it's not playing. Um I've seen a lot of publications, you know, they some some lean one way some lean another way criticizing the players for for deciding not to play or criticizing players for deciding to play when you got to understand that th- this is um something that is very is very individual and that these players all have their entire right to choose you know how they want how they want to pursue um how they want to pursue their 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 actions when it comes to when it comes to this decision.
1: Absolutely. Just oh my goodness, just yes. Um for for any of the different perspectives, whether it's seeing the current state of the United States of America as, you know, an opportunity to make real change from a social justice standpoint to players who are, you know, looking at the title chances and saying, you know what, I and my team have a 99 or 95 or 90 or 80 or 70 percent chance of not winning the title but i individually have a huge chance to change my life and my family's lives for maybe more than one generation if i'm able to get a great contract this off season um or maybe there are players with you know pre-existing conditions that would make them more susceptible to long-term uh damage to to their bodies from possibly getting sick so i i i I mean, we don't want this to turn into University of Michigan Twitter bashing recruits for not picking their team. Like these are people who are considering very, you know,
0: complicated and absolutely. Very tough decision.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And and I'm sure we'll see people not abiding by what we're saying and it's going to hurt. But I would hope that. Just about everybody can can recognize the depth of the situation for what it is.
0: Yeah I'm watching all you nasty publications that are, that are doing that trust me I'm keeping note on that uh, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm keeping note on that but I want I want to also say this Tim which I said on my last podcast um, and I just want I just want to bring it to this one to to kind of to kind of really tie that part of it and then we'll get into the who will the layoff benefit and hurt? is the is the idea that I just want to express again that I do ultimately believe in the power and impact of sports having on people so I so I do think that when this season returns I have total 100% faith that the NBA players the NBA staff the league as a whole are going to do tremendous things they're going to have a spotlight unlike maybe they've ever had i mean i don't know it's going to be very hard to project just what the numbers will be for for basketball when it comes back but i have to believe that with it being the first major sport that's um, uh the the first major sport that's really coming back that what will happen um, as far as views go but i i have to imagine that's going to be a very bright spotlight and i totally trust that the players and the staff and wh- whoever is or isn't there i trust that they are going to they are going to not let this situation fall by the wayside that they are going to use their platform for good because i ultimately believe that you know at the end of the day these players have proven time and time again that they have that they have stood for social justice and that they ha- and that they are strong believers in it and the nba has has allowed them to Maybe not to to the to the most extreme extents, but has allowed them to express that. So I I do want to say that I have, um, as both a as both a person that's passionate about the social injustice that's going on in the country and a passionate basketball fan, I do have a lot of tremendous faith that this is going that the players are going to do something spectacular when things come back.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I'll be interested to see how that materializes, whether it's. I mean, is it going to be players wearing T-shirts pregame, or Mm -hmm. what exactly is that going to look like? Patches on uniforms. Uh, I'm interested to see how all of those individuals will be able to, either at a team level or a league level, use that huge, huge platform they're going to have. Um, Just, I mean, based off of the numbers we're getting for people watching, you know, Bundesliga or NASCAR, or the, all these different things that are happening, getting a huge boost in views, they're just going to have just a, such a prime opportunity to do, I guess, as much as you can do um, mm-hmm. from a sports standpoint. You know, sending a message or getting things across just with the allotted TV time that you have.
0: Yeah, and never underestimate the power of celebrity in America. Um, America has a very strong infatuation with celebrity, and there are a lot of people that. Love and respect a lot of NBA players, um, just like just like musicians, just anybody in the spotlight. America, America has a strong infatuation with celebrities, so with that strong infatuation comes the potential for great influence. So I, I very much look forward to seeing what goes on in Orlando when basketball comes back. But let's just talk about the basketball. So let's assume that right now no other players opt out let's just let's just go with that now that that's prob there probably are going to be more players that opt out in the next coming week or two as we start to gear up but let's just assume in this in this scenario that everybody else that has not been mentioned is coming back and i want to get into who will the layoff hurt and who will it benefit because with every situation, there's always going to be a winner and a loser. There's always going to be somebody that benefits from a certain event and somebody that um, is harmed by by an event. Like I look at, I look at the ninety eight or ninety nine. Was it Spurs that that won off the historic lockout? It was a fluke because they were a young team, and that's what that's what everybody's saying. Fluke as far as um as far as like the NBA historical context is like. Is like that's the one that's looked at as like the one kind of fluky NBA season. Um, so there, there is some sort of there is some sort of precedence for it, um, and there's histories believing that, or history stating that they believe that the Spurs won that lockout season just because they were a younger, healthier team, and they were able to um, they were able to uh, to come back quicker from a from a lockout and get their get their guys into shape and all of that. Um, much easier rather than um, some of the older teams at the time so again we've never seen a we've never seen a restart like this we've never seen a lockout like this we haven't uh, we haven't had a, a situation where players literally weren't allowed to play basketball with each other and all of this so this is a whole new situation but just when you start to sit down and think about who the layoff will hurt and who will benefit. It can be players, it can be teams, it can be groups of players, however you look at it. Uh, what's something that comes
1: to your mind first? So one of the first things would be the lack of a home court advantage, which I think there are several different ways to look at this. Obviously, you know teams that were up at the top of the standings, like the Lakers and Milwaukee, that advantage is gone. Um, mm-hmm. We know that in the playoffs, home court advantage is generally – you know, from a statistical standpoint, from a if you look at it from a gambling standpoint, it is much more valuable than the home court advantage they have in the regular season in the NBA. Um, another thing to look at is, you know, teams that have the larger disparities with home and away performances. Like Philly, I don't know how you look at Philly because they were 29-2 and two at home, which is incredible. And they don't have that advantage anymore. But then they were 10-24 and 24 on the road, which is also yeah. really bad. So I somewhere in the middle, I guess, um, not sure what to expect there whereas like Miami had a great home court advantage. They were 27 and 5 at home, 14 and 19 on the road. Um, so some of those teams that uh, enjoyed better home court advantages maybe don't have it any, anymore. Um, the teams that fought really hard to get higher positions in the standings, maybe that work isn't as fruitful anymore, whereas a team like the Clippers, they let Kawhi rest when he needed to rest. Um, they maybe took a hit from a standings standpoint and also from a chemistry standpoint because their focus was on winning the playoffs. You know, we, we can make up one game of you know not having home court if we need to, but we want to make sure we get everybody there because of the current situation. They're in a position now where, you know, they almost look vindicated from their decision making and. They haven't even, you know, this large layoff and these almost warm-up games to help, you know, get the chemistry back up. And uh, it's it's good they did what they did rather than maybe if they pushed Kawhi through it, maybe he is injured right now. Um, yeah. So I think that's one of many different ways to look at. But that's the one I would start off with. And then I guess lob it back over to you.
0: Yeah. That's interesting because um I, I posed this question on my last podcast with my last guest and we were we were talking about this and neither one of us brought up the home court advantage, which um which is something that I am aware of, but when it came to this I wasn't I wasn't looking at that specific. Um I wasn't looking at it specifically and part of the reason is something we'll get into a little later in this podcast when we talk about, you know, the fact that there will be no fans. Um, you know, it, it it's how do you how do you gauge a team? I mean, are these going to be road games? Are these are these going to be home games? Because there are there are no fans, so it's not like you have people rooting against you, and it's not like you have people rooting for you. So it's a really weird um, situation. But you're right; I do think that it will affect um, it will affect certain teams because those teams, like you mentioned, Miami, Philly, um, those are teams that played very strongly at home and um with that energy and that definitely was a, a clear advantage. I mean just just from a just from a statistical perspective, from a viewing perspective, so I I think that I think that home court will play uh, some sort of advantage. I just don't know what that advantage is or lack of home court, I should say because I really just I really don't know you know how do you what do you think? I mean, do you think it's it? Do you think that it that that these games are more like road games or more like home games? I mean, there's not really anyone in the building.
1: Hey, it's neither. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm really not sure. Um, yeah. And and from a like modeling games out standpoint, we've had lengthy discussions about you know what does this actually mean? How could you know, styles be different, or shooting percentages be different, or all kinds of different things. And really, we're just gonna have to wait and see. Um, I don't know. We, we'll get into a little bit more later, and I think there are different variables that can impact exactly how that environment looks. But it's definitely not going to be the raucous um, playoff environment that that we're used to. So I don't know. I I, I think. I don't know what's going to happen when they do play, but I know from a you know current standings positioning, what teams have done in the past and what they're going to do in the future, Like it helped the Clippers. It's going to help Portland because now they have fewer games left to need to hold serve to not lose the eight seed, whereas it's going to hurt New Orleans because they have fewer games left to try to make up the gap and overcome mm-hmm. Portland. Um, so I don't know. That's I can stick to knowing what I know, and I think those are some of the very tangible outcomes that uh, we, we do kind of have an idea for. Whereas, you know, is three-point shooting going to be haywire? Um, or is it going to take longer for teams to figure out, you know, the right pace of play? Or are they going to have much, much better scouting reports because they've had a layoff or worse scouting reports? So I don't know. There's there's a lot that we have to figure out. But just sticking with what we do know, I, I guess those are some of the first things I, I like to look at.
0: Yeah, and I think another another interesting thing, to look at is i'll bring i'll bring your lakers into this um i'm not sure whether this layoff hurts or benefits them particularly because i thought as the as the season was closing with those with those wins over the clippers and those wins over the bucks i thought that the lakers were my were, were my pick to win the title like they looked like the team that I was looking at and I was trusting them for a couple weeks. It started to really flip for me in in December and January, but uh, but then really kicked it up into high gear right before basketball uh, basketball season got ended. And I just look at the Lakers as this physical team that's going to be able to just not really they're going to be able to impose their will size wise and just just again from a physical nature over pretty much any team in the league. Now they might not have the most perfectly fit roster, but it, it seems to have shown that it's fit enough. And you know, with with LeBron winning over Giannis and Kawhi right before the season, the the season ended. You know, it just really felt like we were starting to have momentum for the Lakers to win. Now, of course, you give LeBron three, you give LeBron extra months off. You and I talked about this last year. When I when I said to you that you know the scariest thing is LeBron with a full off season, well now he's had like two full off seasons in the last <laughs> in the <laughs> last you know however many yeah. in the last year. Good call. Back. So uh, so I I just I don't know you know I mean do you think the Lakers are hurt or they have benefited from this or will benefit I should say from this
1: time off? I think that it's tricky to say that. I mean, they certainly had a lot of momentum going into the break, and if things don't go super well to start off with, I don't think it really matters much for them. They have a lot of games that they're kind of going to coast through these, use these as tune-up games, and from a standings perspective, especially now where home court doesn't really matter, like I don't think... Uh, like, if we would have had the same situation without the layoff, but still having no home court and, and playing in Orlando, like, I, I don't know if winning those games over Milwaukee and uh, the Clippers really helps them, because I don't know. if One, I don't right. know if winning those games helps you win the next couple games any more or less. And even so, the games that they have coming up are going to be ones that don't really matter. Um, we, we still have to get to the actual playoffs where the games, for the at least from the Lakers' perspective... There are plenty of other teams where these next couple games are going to matter a ton. But for the Lakers, carrying that momentum into this batch of, what, a dozen games, less than a dozen games, Mm -hmm. I don't think it would have helped them a ton. I think uh, your point about LeBron having rest is a really good one, especially when we compare with uh, Milwaukee and the Clippers. I think the Clippers, they're going to benefit from the rest um, with, with Kawhi and his situation. I think Milwaukee, they're going to benefit a little bit less just because Giannis was already not playing a ton of minutes, whereas the Lakers... But he was
0: injured right before the season ended.
1: That is a good point. I did not think about that.
0: That's a good way to have that knee injury right before. Um, There's so many things i agree. I agree. (laughs) Milwaukee, (laughs) I know. I know, man. It it feels like every time I I know you're going to say something that I'm going to forget, I'm going to say something you're going to forget because it feels like a lifetime has happened both on and off the court since since the NBA has played but um yeah i think also another or another reason milwaukee kind of um has less benefit from this is because they're just such a system oriented team that and they have such a a roster that's been for the most part is a is a group of people that's now spanning you know two years at least sometimes some, sometimes three four years so they have some they have a they have a core group of guys that are going to Be able to come back in, and it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be like clockwork. They didn't necessarily get hurt by the by the layoff, but you know, other than maybe Giannis getting healthy, if the knee injury was more serious than we thought, that could be the real only benefit for Milwaukee. Because I don't really expect Milwaukee to be much different when they come back, right?
1: Yeah, I I would think so. And with the Lakers, we can come up with narratives about LeBron having rest, and that can very well be true. From Milwaukee uh, I think there are a couple different ways to look at it I-, I do think there are a couple teams where we can more tangibly say you know what this rest definitely helped them like the Sixers who had yeah. Ben Simmons who we didn't know if he'd be back or not and then Joel Embiid who was also on the mend De- they're definitely in much better shape um, like Dame Lillard had just come back from a groin injury and he was playing but um, had recently been injured so that helps him Marcus Stahl no had a pitch. groin injury Victor Oladipo had his knee injury so Mm-hmm. Some of those guys, I think it more tangibly the the layoff will help them and then a team maybe like the Rockets who were had really turned to small ball and that style of play i don't I don't have data to back this up right now, but i I would assume that that style of play is something that teams don't go to the whole season because it's a wear and tear on those guys that they have that are smaller but playing those bigger positions. Um, They no longer really have to worry about that. There are less games they will need to play, um, and they had more time to recover from whatever wear and tear they did have. And then also, you know, this is the team where we've seen James Harden year after year just look exhausted in the playoffs. So him getting rest um, I I think helps them as well, and that's one of the teams that I think benefits pretty well from, as a whole in more than one way, benefits from this layoff.
0: Yeah, and I think that also what it comes down to is like the bottom the bottom line of the who the layoff will hurt and benefit um, very much will it will be uh, it will be something that will have to be such a uh, that that will be such an abrupt conclusion because this season is going to kind of the quote unquote regular season that is is going to wrap up fast and then it's going to be. Now more so than ever, with home court being non-existent, semi-existent, whatever, whatever. I know the NBA is also looking at ideas as to how to give benefits to home court teams and, and and kind of make the atmosphere more home court-ish. But at the end of the day, assuming that there's no that there's nothing that can really replace the energy of a of a building full of fans rooting for you and against another team. Um, I I think that now more than ever, seeding and matchup tinkering is is the most important thing, right?
1: I think so. Yeah, and even you know, winning or losing games, positioning to see who you end up playing mm-hmm. uh, in in the first round or two could be something. I I don't know how easy that would be, or if anyone would even consider that. But keep an eye out for that. Um, but yeah, once we do get to the home court piece of it, it's I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what they allow teams to do and what teams decide to do. Um, I have a couple ideas. I'm interested to hear yours. Um, yeah. And and I think f- for specific teams and then the league as a whole, there are different ways they can approach this that would uh, be entertaining or maybe help the teams themselves have more an advantage. Um, not all of those are mutually exclusive. So there's there's a whole lot there's also a great chance we just end up hearing a lot of feet squeaking like it's one of those like what is it like the utah summer league games where there isn't really a big crowd um Mm -hmm. i don't know i i i'm i'm excited to talk about this piece of the discussion because i have some ideas all
0: right and before we transition to this let me throw a a caveat out there that's going to almost be a disclaimer to everything we said is that there's such a wide variable i was thinking about this the other day like we could come back and see um who's a player i mean he's not he's not part of this but we could say say clint Capello comes back with a three-point shot i mean we've had three months of no basketball like there could be players that come back with like new skills that we haven't seen that that like are much more refined than they ever were and all sorts of things so that's another thing that we could we could never truly we can never truly predict until we see but uh we could come back and see somebody you know hitting threes like they've never hit threes before and that's something that can totally throw a wrench in the entire grand scheme of the of the season.
1: Yeah. You know? I mean, is three months long enough to shake off cowardice and, and Ben Simmons being able to shoot threes? So <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe Ben Simmons comes back as a sharpshooter. You know, you never know, man. You in this three months
1: know. I gained my courage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's talk about let's talk about the, the basketball viewing aspect since you transitioned to it beautifully. Um, I could tell you I could tell you have experience with podcasts my friend now this this part is very fascinating because there's been ideas thrown around that uh, the NBA is thinking of like maybe giving the the home team quote-unquote an extra foul so players can have seven fouls to follow out um, and then there's been and then there's been stuff about putting music in the arena versus not putting music in the arena um, I know that the Golden State Warriors did that, and what what year was that? Like two thousand, like thirteen or something. They 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 did a game with no music, and it um and it and it wasn't that good.
1: Yeah, it's not quite the college environment. And if you do yeah. want to get that college environment, you need people there for it. I, yeah. I think there may, in the future, be a time and place for that to catch on, but it's it's not it's not
0: now. N- it's not now. <laughs> It's not now when it's like you said going to be a bunch of squeaker sneaking. And then there's also the idea of just from again a viewing aspect of how do you uh, do you also do player uh, player mics? You know that's a whole that's a whole discussion because players want their privacy and they have sponsorships and all that and endorsements and deals that they have that they could potentially jeopardize by you know saying some things on the court that are in the heat of the moment. Um, you know, or or just or just speaking on things that can, or, or just hearing a player in that way, like we know Kevin Garnett's a trash talker. You you know this, I know this, and we've heard a few stories. But like, it would be different to have to have like eight games, ten games, twenty games of Kevin Garnett w- completely wired up. I feel like the perception on Kevin Garnett would be a little bit different, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's something that. definitely actually seeing it or hearing it would definitely change perspectives. Cause guys can have reputations. Mm -hmm. We know this for, for all different things in life. You can hear about how good or awful something is, but once you actually get to watch a video of it or listen to it, it's like, Oh wow. Um, So yeah, I I think from a sponsorship standpoint that that would definitely be, definitely be a concern at the same time. If everybody's made aware that, Hey, you know, we're going to have an HBO version of this that people can listen to that, you know, isn't going to be censored um, and you give them the heads up, they can try to adjust the behaviors. And
0: I don't yeah. know,
1: I, I can see the pros and cons of that. Um, I would certainly be interested in it. I can understand oh, players may not be. I can understand how, like, I mean, if we truly can hear them, uh, there's going to be a lot of, you know, bleeping stuff out or, or what the, you know, on TV where they just kind of mute all of the audio for a couple seconds. I would imagine that happens quite a bit going forward with not really having any other sound going on.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Oh. And th- I mean, all you're going to be hearing right now, as, as we know is like squeaker sneaking, right? <laughs> like we don't yeah. know.
1: I, there was a, um, there was a Michigan state game. I think it was this year where they, they mic'd up both teams, coaches, Um, and that was Mm. like, from a coaching standpoint, you know, leave the players alone, mic up the coaches, being able to hear that piece of it was really, really cool. Um, definitely a different situation, not a playoff atmosphere, not where like, you know, what they're saying could yield a gigantic competitive advantage. And I don't know, Mm. we, we don't want to have that, you know, change the way teams need to coach themselves. Um, although I guess I would say like, as opposed to maybe like baseball or something like In basketball, if the coach is out there and they're yelling something, we should be able to hear hear. that. Like the the other teams can hear that they're right there. Whereas if it's like, you know, they're doing their huddle or they're bringing someone aside, you would need the people with the right discretion. Yeah, Yeah, you would want someone on the team staff being able to approve or veto what's shown. And I think you would almost want to show some of it retroactively rather than live, just so we make sure Mm -hmm. they're not giving away specific secrets. But I think, you know, trash talking is a piece of it the coaching is a piece of it that a lot of people may not care about. I would love. um, And then just, if they let, you know, the home team's DJ take control of the music they're going to be playing. And, you know, I don't know if I've seen like in some of the German soccer leagues, they have, you know, if you're a fan, you can pay, or I don't know if they're all paying, but get a picture of Tim out there in one of the seats um, just so it looks like there's people out there. We're in the, What was it, the Korean or Japanese baseball league? They had like stuffed animals, so they could do things with the seats themselves. I would love to see some uh, some of those. What are what are they? The uh, inflatable tube men that you see outside like a car dealership. I want those behind both baskets. And if I'm the Lakers, you know, whenever the uh, boxers shooting free throws, flip the switch. Let's let's get some distracting going. Yeah, something like that. I I want to see teams be creative with things like that. Um, that's where I, I think you can hey maybe it actually will matter and it could be kind of fun that that's the weird kind of stuff that i'm interested in seeing less so with like uh i mean like giving teams an extra foul or something i guess would make it would make some sense um but i i don't know changing the rules to the game is a little bit different than allowing teams to be creative around that atmosphere itself and i think adds more legitimacy as opposed to like changing rules that we don't really have a sample size to say hey you know what we tried this in the G League and here's how it impacted right. the game itself. We don't want we will not want the asterisk on the season to be any bigger than it needs to be.
0: Yeah, I don't want in game 7 of the finals Giannis to have uh 6 fouls and still be on the court, you know? Like it's just there's there's things like that you said you said it perfectly that changing rules is different than allowing teams to get creative. Now, uh, of course, there's going to be a fine line, and the NBA is going to have to really evaluate and police, for lack of a better term, how the player or how the teams like how the how creative the teams can get. You know, because I'm sure somebody's going to think of something, and that that that's totally wacky and crazy and creative and out there that that will provide a huge advantage for them. And then the NBA is going to have to correct that. You know, there, there's, so there, it's a slippery slope, but again, I don't think from a viewing perspective, we can just allow the NBA to come back with just a broadcaster, uh, broadcasting and, and not to mention too, how difficult it's going to be for a broadcaster to broadcast in an empty stadium. I mean, you know, broadcasters are taught to, uh, to, to ride the emotion of the fans of, of the building. So that, that energy translates to their broadcast. And, yeah. and they so may not
1: even be there. We, I, I yeah. mean, I've been watching, I'm a, a Bayern Munich fan, I've been watching these soccer games and the announcers aren't together and they're not in the stadium itself. So it it, it can be done. Um, mm-hmm. I think they'll be somewhat impacted, but I think, I don't know, the, these are, and <laughs> I mean, some of the announcers we have aren't great, um, but yeah. uh, the, the good imagine. ones, they're going to be okay. <laughs>
0: yeah you imagine that you imagine that now with uh with this coming back and it being all in the same location we're going to be able to have um e s b is going to be able to have uh most of their prime time most of their prime time guys and and girls that that do great NBA coverage um broadcasting I don't think you're going to see uh the Sacramento Kings broadcast team make a trip.
1: Yeah, and, and without like, I mean, we don't want to have like Kevin Harlan's like dog in the background or somebody's kids yeah. like in the audio. You know, when someone's at the free throw line with two minutes left in the fourth quarter, like the, there are a lot of weird intricacies that the the league, the teams, the players, the announcers, everybody's going to have to figure out. Um, yeah, it'll be quite an experience, and it certainly adds a lot of interest for me personally and just seeing how the heck do they figure out all these minute details that can play an impact and like you were saying like you don't want teams inventing crazy ways to distract players or create a home court advantage that isn't within what the league is willing to do so i would i mean as long as they get everything approved ahead of time um Mm. i think that can somewhat you know make sure we don't have you know the celtics running out with like laser pointers or something (laughs) yeah Um, i think i trust that they'll figure it out
0: yeah, me too. And you know, I think I'm gonna watch it regardless. Um, I just wonder, you know, the 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 if the casual fan is gonna see Giannis dunk over three people, do they, uh, w- in an empty arena if there's if there's no energy there, if they can't supplement energy, whether it's yeah. through music, whether it's through sound effects, whether it's like through just like intensifying the 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 the, the miking of the court itself, so that you're really just getting. An all-out basketball pickup feel, if that's the route they're going. But um, I just wonder how that, how the casual fan is going to consume this, uh, consume this content coming back. Because, like you said, there there is a strong desire for um, for people to watch sports that they don't normally watch, just because there is such a there is such a craving and a hunger for for professional sports here in this country again, and but i i just i wonder i wonder how long those fans will stay you know i i don't know i mean are you do you do you at all worry about this being something where the nba comes back and it's a big moment and everybody's following it for the first week or so and then it really dwindles off or do you see this as being something that is going to um, to hold the attention of, and I'm speaking of the casual fans. I'm not speaking of you and I, and, and and everyone that covers the league that will that will always be engaged and locked in. I'm talking about more so the casual fans. Do you see it being like a like a a one week? Wow, this is cool. This is great for basketball to come back. Uh, let, me, let me wait and then come back and then they'll check out the playoffs as the playoff goes on and the numbers will, will dwindle until until you get back to the conference finals, finals, all that
1: stuff. I, I think just based off of what else is out there to watch, it's going to do really well. Um, I can understand if the numbers dip a little bit when the regular season games go on, especially because we're going to have some matchups where both teams don't really care. Um, yeah. So for some of those games – I I can understand if they don't do so hot. But once we get to the playoffs, I think it's a a real sport that is in America in the right time zone. Um, It's going to be familiar for people. Uh, There will be plenty of storylines. There's going to be plenty of random things to be interested in. I I think it'll do fine. I'm not worried about that. Um, I think the league will find ways to, like in watching again, going back to German soccer, I'm watching teams where they are pumping in the right sound effects to make it sound like the crowd. And, you know, in soccer, they have all these chants and different things they'll be doing continuously. And they've done right. such a good job about, like, not just having noise that's crowd noise, but having crowd noise that matches what is happening. Okay. Um, where Whether it's a, you know, I, I foul you, but the ref doesn't call it. They're pressing the right buttons, so the crowd goes nuts, and then they're they're yelling for a foul, things like that. Or if there's a good buildup and it's getting close to a goal, the you know the the atmosphere gets amped up a little bit. Um, so that exists. I mean, we do it in, if we do it all the time for video games. I think yeah. it would take some skill and some work and some practice, but I, I think by the time the playoffs come around, I would expect something like that to take place. Where, I mean, from a viewing perspective we don't i mean most of the screen is the the court anyway and if you can hear the crowd as if it's the crowd we have plenty of audio from former games to pull from um i I think that can imitate enough of the experience that a casual fan can stay locked in and and have interest and if they're going to turn it off i don't know what else they're going to be watching so yeah i (laughs) true there's a lot that needs to be figured out and locked in but i think there's plenty of potential and and I certainly plan to be tuned in when it does return.
0: Yeah. Well, we are now. Let's see how many we are just over a month away, about a, a month and nine days away from basketball returning. Tim, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I so appreciate you. Um, I, I I'm glad to hear that you're that you're doing well during these during these heavy times, and um, just I love to see that the basketball index stuff that you're doing. Like I said, I really enjoyed the badge stuff. Um, I've, i am just really glad to have you back on the podcast, man. And it's good to hear you. Um, I've, I've, that's one thing I've really grown to appreciate during this, during this time that we're in these last couple months is when I've been reconnecting with people who I've had on the podcast before, but haven't had since everything went in, it's, it's good to get a check-in, you know, mm-hmm. and just to, just to make sure, you know, everything is, everything is good as, as good as good can be nowadays, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think just in general, having those check-ins is really important, whether it's family or friends or like even at work, you, you don't have those little interactions in the hallway anymore. So just reaching out to people on, on their IM or whatever and just saying, hey, how you doing? Like those little check-ins can mean a lot um, and, and everybody's dealing with the situation differently. So, you know, be safe, everybody, be, be kind, have those check-ins. It is great to hop on again, Chris, and uh, keep, that, keep the content coming even with the, with the games not back yet. Um, I know it's been really difficult for me from a podcasting standpoint, but I've been trying to put all of that energy into that uh, new content like you've talked about, the badges mm-hmm. I'm excited about. Um, I think the, the idea of badges with 2K is awesome. I think their execution in terms of the data they use or how they go about it can be a little bit better. Um, and we found yeah, ways for, a lot <laughs> for like, I think we're up to like 25, 26 badges right now, purely data driven. Um, I love what we have so far. I think it's very, very good. Um, and you know, I, i we, we're paying a graphics team. We've got, you know, graphics made up for each gold, silver, and bronze badge. Um, once we get more years done, we'll be able to have better perspective and figure out, all right. What level exactly do we make, like a Hall of Fame badge or something like that? Um, I can't really. Right. It's hard for me to do that with just one year of, of badges put together. Um, But you know, do getting I, motion can I make too. a suggestion? Yeah,
0: uh, I think, and I and I've said this. Me and my friend have said this about two Ks. I think that you should once you once you're confident in all of the badges that you've developed, you, that you believe that they're tried and true. I believe that there's there are there are there should be bronze silver gold hall of fame and for one for every single badge should be a greatest of all time okay i like that should be a a a one a a one thing that's whether it's you know whether it's a a streaky who's the streakiest person of all time data driven right you know like like um whatever it is you know each each one badge gets um one player gets that badge at the, at the ultimate highest level that's above hall of
1: fame. I like it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, once, once we get uh, the whole database built up, I will take a look at that. Cause I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah. Keep, keep an eye out for that. We've got all that over at beball index. We have our player profiles. We have every all, I think it's 515, 516 guys this year. I think it's like 220 data points on every single one of them. You can see what they're good at, what they're not good at, how they play, You know, when Marc is posting up, how often is he using, uh, you know, a hook shot versus an up and under? Um, When Ben Simmons is playmaking, how much better is he at passing and creating scoring opportunities than we'd expect for somebody with the spacing that he has and how often he's getting to the rim and all kinds of different things? Um, We've had a lot of time to create new metrics. We've got like a passing lane defense metric, uh, loose ball recovery rate all kinds of different things that I, I think we really tried to focus on things that people would you know, resonate with and, and really talk basketball in the same ways. Like, hey, this guy's really great at playing the passing lanes. Great, we've got a stat for that. Um, so I don't know. I'd recommend people check out the Twitter. We've been uh, teasing out some of what all that looks like. We have a big page on our website that goes through every single th- thing you'd be getting in that $5 package. Um, just so you know exactly what you're getting into. If you do decide to spend you know, the $5 that you'd otherwise spend on Starbucks. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, I'm excited about what we have. And there's a ton more coming that we're working day in and day out on. Um, so keep an eye out. There's a lot of good stuff on the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Tim, I appreciate you so much for taking all of this amazing data and putting it all this complicated math that I could that I could never do. The highest math I ever took was college algebra, but you condense it into ways that I can understand it. So I appreciate that. Um, I really enjoy the fact that I can look at uh, statistics in such a, in such a uh, nuance and, and, and pure light. And, and I think that you do a great job of that, the greatest of, of anyone that I've, that I've seen in that area
1: appreciate it it's it's something that I learned from working in college and basketball like you can do good stuff but if people don't understand it and you can't communicate it well then it doesn't mean anything um, and getting you know coaches and players to understand is a little bit different from getting random people who you know they're gonna see a retweet of a tweet that they've never seen before these stats they've never seen before I see them every single day I know what everything means but they it has to be able to be understood by someone who's never seen it and may not see it again for months. Um, right. So it's I don't know it's something that I try to really focus on when we're doing this and you know working with the college teams and the international teams and the agents and players I think has helps uh, dig that in even more. Um, but yeah, it did, I'm I'm glad you're able to. Re- I'm glad you enjoy the stuff we're putting out and keep keep an eye out because there's a lot of more good stuff on the way.
0: All right, Tim, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. I won't hold you up any longer, and uh, I'll be talking to you soon once NBA basketball is back. I appreciate it, Chris. Enjoy. Have a good one, man.